Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You ready to go? Yes, sir. Welcome to Bread for the People. My name's Jim Serpico. Today, I have... A guest that I've been looking to talk to for a long time. I think we connected over Instagram a little over a year ago. Um, It's been exciting to see the rise of infamy of Augie Russo from Augie's Infamous. He's a small batch handmade pizza maker, Neapolitan-ish style. Augie, I'm so excited to finally hook up with you, man. Thank you so much, man. I can't tell you how many times I started a direct message asking, can I get on the podcast? And then deleting it and being like, I'm not going to pester this dude. My name's Jim Serpico, and this, should I start with my name? Or should I start with this is Bread for the People? Do you like it like this? Welcome to Bread. Or do you like it like this? Welcome. Ready? Welcome to Bread for the People. Mine. Is there a script? Thank you so much, man. I can't tell you how many times I started a direct message asking, can I get on the podcast? And then deleting it and being like, I'm not going to pester this dude. Ah, you you could always pester me, but listen. I, I really have. I know we were talking about maybe getting together at one point, and uh, you know, part of it was one of the reasons I, I I didn't go head on and say let's do it is because I was hiding the fact that I was doing a lot of the baking out of my home, and I couldn't really show it. Um, I couldn't really show it on Instagram and stuff because it. You know, when I was out doing the farmers markets, there were there were people coming after me for baking in the home. Right. You know, and now I have the food truck, so I'm on wheels. Uh, I'm great. permitted and I'm licensed, and uh, I've got a pizza oven in there, so maybe we'll do something in there. You have a dome? Is that what you put in the oven? Yeah, man, I put the dome in. Um, I I don't make a ton of pizzas in it professionally. I mainly use it to. Heat up the scotchata bread that I serve the sandwiches on, and 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 use it as my heat source for whatever I'm doing. Um, but I, I do make pizzas uh, personally in there, and I do plan to do catering uh, with pizzas and stuff like that. And and if you ever want to jam on that kind of stuff, I would love to have you in the truck and do parties together, man. I would love that. I would love that. I just came back from a, a party. I love doing. I love all of it. 
I love baking for strangers in the street. I love having people in my backyard, friends and family off the books, you know, just casual bullshit. And right. I love doing gigs for like a group of people that I'm getting ready to do a, a wedding after party. I just came back from a family reunion down on the Jersey shore. And that kind of thing where it's a group of people assembled together for the same event or function or gathering. They've already got their own vibe. I yeah. love that. I really, I never realized how much I liked people before. Me neither, man. That, and that is what I like about what we're doing. And particularly, I, I love being out with, with the people in those same situations. And I would say the joke for me, for a big part of my life, was I can't stand people. But I, I guess it's not true. It's not. I say the same thing <laughs> at every single bake. I was right. in post, I, in production, I was in post. I was in the back of the house. No interaction with people except for my producers or whoever or other, you know, editors. And before that, when I was cooking professionally, the same thing. I was in the kitchen. I didn't really ever interact with the diners. And right. I viewed them as eaters. I remember being a 21-year-old arrogant asshole and referring to the guests in the restaurant as eaters, which is such a terrible like the people that come and eat my pizza now, I, to the best of my ability, unless I'm totally jammed up, I like to greet everybody. I shout at people happily. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I Well, there's there's a couple things you're touching on. I mean, one, in the restaurant business, it's a little different, I think, because as you've identified, some of these parties, there's groups of people coming together and their agenda is to have a good time. Right. The, yeah. Their guard is down. Everyone's part of the hang together. They You're kind of like the celebrity and the center of it, you know, serving it. But, uh, you know, even at the farmer's markets where they're not coming together, it is a similar vibe. I guess it, they appreciate it's, it's, why they're there. It's people. Sure, if they're deliberately coming... A farmer's market is less convenient than going to supermarket, Grand Union, Pathmark, whatever it is. Right. And it's more of a, an experience, the farmer's market. You're deliberately choosing the best produce that you can. For this party I just did, I got up at 8 and went to the farmer's market. I got up at 6 and was there at 7.30 for an 8 a.m. opening. And it, it, everybody is there on purpose to get like the best, most delicious stuff. Right. That's a That's the big difference. Mentality. Right. In, in the supermarket, you're going, oh, I got to go to the supermarket. I have to go to the supermarket to feed dice. my family who doesn't do anything because they're lazy and I'm the one who has to get all the food for them. <laughs> you know, that kind of Farmer's thing. market, you go and get a cup of coffee. It's beautiful out. It's Saturday morning. The only people that are up are, you know, it's a different vibe. It's very nice. I love the. I love if I could, I would shop the farmer's market all the time, but it's, you know, very yeah. seasonal and it's, it's also, this one here is very expensive. Yeah. Um, so just for the listeners, when you talk about your other job, you were in the back of the house and post, um, explain what that means. I was a, a video editor and motion graphics artist from like the mid two thousands until right up to the last presidential election, let's say. That's when I really got out of it. Or the 
the special election in Georgia is when I really, that was the last thing that I did commercially. Right. And right. since then I've done a couple of music videos for a friend or my girlfriend shoots analog film. I, I edit her weird films. They're not commercial. There's no producer hovering and touching my monitor. It's very chill. I get to do what I want. Um, Augie, I wish there was a producer touching your monitor now. Could you tilt it up a little? Yes, sir. How's that? <laughs> that's good. All right. Um, uh, that that's awesome. Um, the vibe in the in the post house is interesting. Um, there's a lot of pressure to turn things out when you're working commercially. Uh, you're the editor. You're probably answering to some producer. Most, and then you have you have support people in the front dealing with clearance and paperwork, and they're overworked and they work long hours and they have no windows. And it could be draining. Yeah. And things are a little different now. Like people have an expectation that I think as those tools have gotten smaller and smaller uh, and more and more accessible, an editor expected now to be an editor, a color correction guy, a sound designer, sourcing clips. It's a lot. It got to be, you know, a lot more than I wanted to, to deal with. And then not, it's not nearly as fun. I'm in a dark room by myself a lot of the time. I sit all day. Now I am on my feet. I jump out of bed at seven o'clock in the morning and that's late. Like I cannot wait to get started with my day and whatever it is, if it's making dough, if it's walking up the street and sitting out in front of the restaurant with my boss, the, the chef of the restaurant where I work and just talking about whatever and so, so not to confuse people here, you you have your own pizza business that's very successful, and you also work at a restaurant. I work at a restaurant five nights a week. It's a block from my house. My boss is my buddy and one of the original supporters of the pizza thing. Um, and on Monday nights when we're closed, he lets me use the restaurant. I have the dining wow. bar. I bake out mm-hmm. front, which is... Okay, so that is, uh, give us the name of that. That's Lulu I, and Poe, Lulu and Poe, and I mean. So that, uh, Monday nights you're there 5 to 10, right, or until you sell out? 5 to 10 or until we sell out, yeah. And if somebody walked up at 5 minutes after 10 and I had a dough, I would make them a pizza. I love to bake pizza. I love to, I will bake anybody that walks up, I will bake you a pizza. So tell us about the setup there. You're in um, an a driveway, an alley, you're on the sidewalk. How does this work? I basically have the street in front of the restaurant where he has his COVID structure permit. There's no structure. We pulled it down. So every Monday morning, I go there at 8 a.m. and I secure that parking spot because it's street sweeping morning and and people. Wow. So I get out there with some cones. My transpo people show up with the truck we we save the spot and then basically by three o'clock i have a little mini couple of tents and you know a bunch of tables set up and people walk up i catch a lot of folks i've been in this neighborhood for a long time so i know a lot of people and what neighborhood is that in brooklyn clinton hill right so and the truck you're referring to is what a box truck that you just keep your supplies literally just a pickup truck with my gear we're very, okay. Um, we're we're a very small, light setup. I have two 
uni 16s. I bring five tables and a couple of big tents. And that's basically, and some coolers. And then I have the walk-in at the restaurant. So I, I'm able to use that, the kitchen at my job as sort of my, the spot that I operate out of. But I bake out on the curb. I bake out literally in the gutter, which is to me, it's so crazy and weird, but it's. It's cool. And you might be small baking on the curb, but you're now being recognized around the world. You were, you were written up in the New York times uh, with, with about four other of, of the greatest pizza makers uh, in New York that, that make mobile pizza you were recently written up in London, I believe. Yeah, the London, Times of London. How did how did that happen? I, I'm not sure. I mean, it's it all has to go back to the New York Times article. Any of the press that I've gotten definitely goes back to Pete Wells, 100. percent He helped. That that guy is why I'm so busy all the time now. It's incredible to me, and it, that comes from from Scott from Scott's Pizza Tours. 100% guarantee that that's the guy that that told Pete Wells to come try my pizza. Okay, so Scott it, for, Scott has been on my podcast. He, I, I really love talking to him. He's the greatest. Um, he, he's like he's he lives and breathes pizza in such a great way and he's such a supporter of all businesses and pizza and all pizza and he respects the art form um, and everything from so the pizza much. box to um, every style and genre of pizza. And I wasn't aware. What did he discover you in a pop-up? How did you connect with Scott? I bet I just probably was, you know, chatting on his posts. I'm a huge mouth uh, on Instagram. And I guarantee you that I just, and he's a nice guy. And he yeah. he's come out to a bunch of my the slice out hunger pop-ups he's come to the ones that i've participated in which is awesome i've gotten to bake i want to talk about those too that's on my list because uh you as well as a lot of people that i am instagram friends with uh, are involved with slice out hunger uh, across the nation it's a great charity man it's a really great charity so let's let's talk about it what is it what is the charity the charity is scott was is a like you said this wealth of pizza information, right? He knows everything about pizza. He loves pizza. He's a Jersey boy who's just in love with pizza. And through the uh, Scott's Pizza Tour thing, I'm pretty sure is that how he, you know, developed the Slice Out Hunger charity where he's got pizzaiolos and home pizza bakers. Anybody who wants to bake a pizza, you get together 8, 10, 50 of your friends and bake some pizza and raise some money and then they send that money to uh, help support uh, or help fight against food insecurity. So they'll send pizzas, 25 pizzas to a soup kitchen or 50 pizzas to a, to a shelter. Um, and he's, it's a tiny staff and they do really a huge amount of charitable fundraising it's crazy that it's just a few people that are able to to do that have that loud of a of a, a voice yeah now so if i wanted to do this you're saying i could do it i could host it at my house with my pizza ovens one and and get my friends to come and what do we do are we making pizzas or am i charging them you can do whatever so that you, want. you could have them come and say come over 
I'm not charging you for the pizza, but if you make a $20 donation, each one of you, or 40 bucks for a couple and 25 bucks for a single person, and you eat all the pizza you want all night, and we, at the end of the night, we send that money to Slice Out Hunger. I just did a, um, a political fundraiser for an old friend of mine from high school who is running for local office out in Huntington. And I basically went out there for cost, the cost of the fuel, the food, and my staff, and baked pizza to help raise money for her campaign. And then This at, is Huntington, Long Island? Yeah, Huntington, Long Island. Right. And uh, at the end of the night, her treasurer or whatever gave me a $300 check for Slice Out Hunger because I am a loudmouth. And anybody that really knows me and pizza knows that I love I love that charity. So at the end of the night, that was my tip, basically. They gave me a tip, but that was like the little extra thing. Here's 300 bucks for the charity we know that you love. That's so cool. It, 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 they're really, they do great work. They really do great work. I love supporting them. I love baking at their events. I love being able to reach out and ask Scott any dumb question about the, the pizza world. He always has a great, thoughtful answer. He's yeah, a very, man. very generous dude. He's a special guy. Now, when you were in Huntington, did you happen to have the time or opportunity to check out some of the pizza places there? Because there's a couple that are legendary. Oh, yeah. I mean, I lived in Huntington for maybe a couple of years, and I would eat at Little Vincent's a lot, home with the cold twice. <laughs> yeah. I, that's, I, I, that's, I, that's, that's a specific one. It's a great one. I mean, that was the one that we went to. I worked, you know, 50 yards from that spot. So that was where what, we, what restaurant did you work at in Huntington? No, there I was still doing production. I had a production. Oh crap. There. Wow. So there did you get did you get to go to Dolan Company, which is new and probably wasn't there when you were there? No, sir. This would have been back in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight, maybe. Something like that. Oh. No, yeah. I didn't. I grew up eating at at Vincent's in Albertson, if you know Vincent's. Um, uh, the Italian restaurant? I, I mean, yeah, sure. He's got seats in the back. Oh, different Vincent's. Different. Okay. No, it's I got you. In the old Nescott shopping mall when I was a kid. This is the 80s. He yeah. made great pizza. Regular, traditional, nothing fancy. No, not like me with the weird shit on top. Just a great, great pizza. Re a great right. calzone, too. Deep fried. Let's get... Let's get into your stuff and the weird stuff that you do. What makes your pizza? I know you do like you have an amazing dough and stuff, but let's get into the toppings because um, you kind of push the boundaries there. And I want to know what inspires you and, you know, how you came up with some of these things and give the listeners some examples of what you do. Um, well, a lot of it, honestly, is outright theft. It's just it's the stuff that we ate as kids and was never fancy growing up as an Italian American eating salami and figs was not cool. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't cool. It wasn't, you know, in any way exciting. It was just, that's what we had and that's what we ate. So a lot of it is the stuff that I grew up eating. So let's stay on this salami and figs for a second. When you prepare that pizza, I would assume you're topping the salami for sure. I don't bake with figs a lot, so I'm curious. Do you put them on also before you cook the pizza and heat them up, or do you put them on after? 
It depends. If they're like crazy ripe and amazing, I'll put them on after. If they're, you know, not super ripe beginning of the season or they haven't really gotten soft and I'll maybe I'll put I might brulee them. I might put a little I always have some kind of spicy sugar. So I might put some spicy sugar on top of them and make sure they're at the very last topping on the on the pie so they get the flame so they kind of cook and get soft and sweet and spicy and you know what I mean if if the if the produce is not at its peak and I'm using it I I have to do something to kind of you know help it along a little bit okay now I'm not a trained chef I'm not from I, I could imagine loving spicy sugar is that a mixture of regular sugar and cayenne pepper or it's a black pepper of a of something that I make. I make these uh, candied chilies and I'll get you some. They're really nice. I, I cook chilies in bourbon and sugar and fennel and then I roll them in sugar with fennel and then I dehydrate them for 30 hours and then they're like these long shards of glass that are spicy and sweet at the same time. And so the guests can take it and crush it on top of the pizza instead of the sprinkly stuff that you see everywhere. That sounds amazing. They're groovy. They're really, really nice. The, the next batch I make, I'll make sure to get you some. Thank you. Oh, man, I love that. I so love after that. rolling a few batches of those chilies and the sugar, the sugar just picks up the heat from the you know, seeds fall off in there and so that sugar is, I have buckets of it, and that sugar gets used in other applications as I might need. Do you sell that sugar by the jar? I sell the chilies, I've, I, and I sell the liquid. The chilies. That I, the liquid that I cook everything in is awesome. It's a, just a, a spicy, simple syrup. So I do the fennel and bourbon one, great for an old-fashioned. I do a tequila and coriander and citrus one, which is great for... Uh, like a a margarita. That one I cook uh, pineapple and chilies in. So my pineapple and ham pizza has dehydrated pineapple that's very spicy and chew- chewy. It's dehydrated. It's phenomenal. Really nice. Great. So I, get, I guess I know where you stand on the... Uh... 100% pineapple. I'm 100% <laughs> anything on a pizza that is delicious. I'm going to put barbecue pork on a pizza. I'm Absolutely. On I'm with you. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard that you can't put. And you know what they eat in Naples? They put hot dogs and French fries on a pizza. <laughs> so why not? And I, I'm not no, I'm not poo-pooing a French fry hot dog. That sounds great to me. I want that. I want a French fry and hot dog pizza. I want a Philly cheesesteak. I think anything, pizza is an amazing vehicle. It's an open piece of Beautiful bread, and you can put whatever you want on top of it or nothing. Olive oil and sea salt. How satisfying is that? Do you ever go on to these sites on Facebook, the pizza sites, and and just watch for entertainment? Yes. I never, ever go on and participate. Like, I follow all of those pizza addict groups as my regular person self, not as the tiny pizza thing. And I, it's horrifying. There are some people... I don't understand how people can be mad in a pizza <laughs> situation. It's a pizza. I have people who hate my, my goggles. I get trolls who shit on my goggles. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right. Just stupid glasses for being out of literally. That's a, there's nothing clever about them. It's so I can see. That's <laughs> so. It's it's only the people in the pizza groups that complain about your glasses, right? Well, no. On on Instagram, I have some like new trolls since the New York Times thing. And so I do, I've gotten a lot of like negative commentary on the weird shit on the pizza and also my goggles. Well, the, the pizza thing, listen, it comes with the territory. I, it's unbelievable, especially pineapple and ham, man. That is just like a, a fire starter. It's so good. I use spec or nice Serrano ham. I mean, not putting board, you know, <laughs> iron and dole pineapple. God, that, I think that's a bad idea. I, everything is thoughtfully produced and you know that it's a white pizza there's no tomato sauce on my ham and pineapple pizza it's a white pizza with gruyere and what could be what could taste bad about gruyere and speck and spicy pie half of those people or more than half don't know what speck is so i wouldn't worry about it and that's probably very true that's probably very true. <laughs> um what is a a a most popular pizza that you serve? I mean, I was a little surprised last, well, I do a weird interpretation of, and my French is awful, the croque madame and the croque monsieur. Yeah, that's ham and cheese, right? So I do a uh, serrano ham, uh, salted red onion, preserved lemon, briere, quail eggs, and breadcrumb, a buttery toasted breadcrumb so that you taste the butter like you would on a grilled cheese sandwich. Yeah. Um, those two did really well. Uh, it's too hot now. I don't serve them. But in the late winter, early spring, that was a really popular one. People like that. They're, they're crunchy. They're, the um, preserved lemon is really nice and bright and has no business being on that sandwich, but it just works anyway. <laughs> it's a, it's a non-traditional interpretation of a sandwich on a pizza. So it's as like on its ear as it can get. It's wrong across the board. I love that. I love the way you think about this stuff, man. And my process, my dough making process, it's a hundred percent not right. So let's talk about that. I don't what, know what, what I'm doing. I honestly am just kind of like, I've gotten to the point where I can tell from the feel of my dough what what I might need to do. But I, there I have a lot of gaps in my dough making. I need a dough daddy is what I need. I need like a real serious two weeks with somebody that can answer all of my like, hey, oh. what about this? What about so records like that? What about... You know, Augie, I'm thinking about doing that in January or February. I think I I'm, heard you I, on, um, on one a recent podcast about going, yeah. taking a class. I think I'm going to use my downtime to do uh, maybe Tony Gemignani's school or something like that. I want to do something like that with my time. Yep. 
and do exactly what you you're talking about because I'm much like you, self-taught. Um, I I kind of understand the science enough, but I never really put a ton of time into that part because, quite frankly, it bores me. Um, but you I need to know enough of it. <laughs> I want the real details, and I can't get them off the internet from like other people that know as little as I do. I need a well, that's people, sure. like a, a real baker that can tell me definitively. This is what this is about. This is why is my dough doing this? I don't get it. But I'm, I mean, I, I mis make enough mistakes that I'm able to course correct and and kind of figure out what I'm doing. And even if I make dough that's not easy to work with in a crap mm -hmm. situation, that pizza always turns out to be like crazy good. Right, and I and I'll tell people this. I will never make dough quite like this again for this many people. But if it was five people, this is what I would do, because it's wet and hard to work. But man, the pizza is coming out sick. So I'm, you know, I've been. So trying, you you do you try to stay consistent yeah. in your ratios, and you're saying sometimes it comes out feeling more wet and and sticky than others. Well, the wet, the, the most recent wet and sticky, I know the source of that is I use, I'm trying to, I have a convenience thing where if I make a 24 hour dough, I can make it the day before. It just works better with my schedule at work. So I thought, let me try and make dough on Sunday, but I want it to taste like something. I don't want it to just be this like 24 hour dough that doesn't really have too much going on in terms of. I usually ferment for 72 hours. So I mixed in old dough, but I, I mixed in way too much old dough. So I'm a little <laughs> enthusiastic. I should have done like two or three pizzas to test it out. Instead, I did a whole batch. So I wound up making 80 pizzas with a dough that was 70% new dough and 30% old dough, or maybe even more old dough than that. So it was difficult to work. Now, I'm doing about, uh, for about 10, 285 gram pizzas, I'll put 285 grams of old dough into that. Much more manageable. And I, it's easy to work with in a fast, you know, when I've got to make a lot of pizzas in a row. And it has a funky, funky flavor to it that I want from a, a dough that is only 24 hours old. So that pre-ferment, which I guess is like a poolish or a bega, but not quite that, you know. Uh, it, yeah, it sounds like it's a bega. It helps give flavor to a dough. That's but I'm I'm gonna go back to the seventy-two hour. That's what I like. That's what I'm comfortable with. But I do try. Oh, let me see. I saw this guy do this. Let me see if I like the result of that. What's I, your rising agent? I use active dry yeast. Okay. Just straight up active dry yeast. I get, you know, a, a good two pound block from Baldor. And what kind of flour are you using? You know, I'm not a hundred percent sold on the main flour. I use the Caputo double zero pizzeria. Um, and I go 70% that to 30% King Arthur, Sir Galahad, which I think is the wrong flour for pizza, but I, it's not. Somebody told me to do the Lancelot. I got the Lancelot and I hated it. So I've got two 24-quart Cambros of Lancelot that I use as bench flour. Oof. Ooh. Uh, sir, they're both amazing flours. 
And I, I can tell you, like Dan Richer, who I'm sure you know who he is, he uses the uh, he uses the Sir Galahad. He does. He he uses it. Yes. Oh, um, know that that's encouraging. Listen, it's a lower protein flour. Certainly, Sir Lancelot is the highest a King Arthur protein. Yeah, didn't. And then you have then you have this the uh, special patent, which is a bread flour, and then you have the Sir Galahad, and the Sir Galahad's good because. It's not as bready as the other two. Right. Sir Lancelot's going to be bready because uh, it's got so much of that protein. But it also, it's good for Roman pizza. Really good. Good Roman pizza. We got a place right around the corner that makes impasto. If you're in this area, you should come check out impasto. Yeah. His dough is like a cloud. Yeah. That's and he's probably uh, using because you could do that with Sir Lancelot. I that's what I use for my scotchata bread because I want it light and airy with big holes and crumb and, and stuff like that. Just strictly that flour, or do you use like the? That's it. Really? Yeah. Really? If I'm um, scotchata on purpose, I sometimes use the uh, the Caputo cloud, the the Super Novello or whatever it is. Yeah, I just don't have a lot of that. Because I'm not really a pizza maker by trade. I'm doing a lot more breads. Right on. Um, and I did buy the Caputo Double Zero Blue, and I, I use that to make pizza at home, and I like it a lot. I like it, but I want to try. There's a there's a few other brands that I, I think I would like to, to check out and see if I prefer them. The Caputo's fine, and it's better than I was using Anna brand from the supermarket. Yeah, I used to use that. The first time I had the first batch I made with the Caputo, I mean, you could feel the difference. It was... Yeah. The dough is so tender, and it's incredible. It's incredible. I mix it... It's a lot of money, though, man. It's 50 bucks for the 55-pound bag, about. And the right. Caputo is like 30 bucks for the 55-pound bag. It's a So, the, I don't know the name of it, but uh, there's a pizza place around me that I love. He makes just amazing pizza. He's got like one guy in the back, and he also cooks, and he's in the front, and his pizza's amazing. And he buys whatever the double zero that Restaurant Depot sells for twenty five bucks for fifty pounds, and it's awesome. I bought a bag of that in a pinch, and I hated it. You hated it, okay? It felt like when I was working the dough, it it was not fully absorbing the water. And there was always kind of like a, this weird excess water in the dough that I never, ever experience. That's interesting. Like See, like when you're putting clay together and you make that extra wet clay mush to join joints. Yeah, I know what you mean. It was very strange. No matter how I needed, I could not get it to. And that's another one that I used as bench flour for six months. Mm -hmm. I went through. You, you know what? Some of it too is like, it's that science that that we aren't measuring every step of the way because the science with each one of these is going to be different. And I know in bread that seventy two hours. Listen, there's a thing about oh, I uh, ferment my dough for three weeks, right? And it sounds really cool, but there there is a point where it passes a hundred. What the peak could be, and from what I know about sourdough baking, seventy-two hours is is getting close to the pass mark on a lot of bread. Um, again, but that, I'm going by 
this guy I follow, Tom Kakuza, who I think is a genius. But, you know, he measures it scientifically, and it's probably with certain flowers. So I would think that any of these flowers might be able to work better than the results you experienced if you had, like, six months to try different ways. I think each flower requires its own unique amount of it, hydration or what, what... Exactly. I bet you're right. I mean... It, And it's just like if you and I moved to Denver and we're making pizza up in the mountains with the same exact ingredients we work with now, it would be different. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, the altitude, everything, all of these environmental factors have an impact. And I honestly, coming into summer, I learned a hundred lessons about that this summer. Like, I can't have your dough out next to me like I do in the winter. I had, a, you know, there are a number of of evenings that were so hot that I had to work right out of the icebox, the dough, because if I left it on the counter, it was gone, destroyed in 40 minutes, just way overblown, 90 degrees. And then under the tent next to the ovens, it's 105 degrees. Right. So, you know, I'm gradually learning about making dough on a rainy, hot day, as opposed to making dough on a cold, dry November day. Totally different result with the same process. Totally different. Now, here's something I'm really curious about, because I I put myself in these dream positions of being at a party like you. Uh, And, of course, the first one, I would assume you you were nervous, because I'm scared shit to do my first party with 40 people at on pizza. Yeah. Like, how... Do you, let's say you had two ovens. You have two ovens. I have one, and then I have a rock box in my yard that I can fold up and bring. Right. How could I prep this dough? Like, I don't, I can't get my mind around the workflow. I mean, what it, it really depends on what we have learned is we have to control the flow of how orders come in and how food goes out at parties. What I found works best is I make a menu just like I do for a part for a regular gig, no prices, just a menu. So the guests know what they're getting. And I just push pizzas out. I don't take orders. I push pizzas out. I have somebody watching the table where I put stuff. And this does a couple of things. One of which I still, and I hate that I do, I burn a pizza every night. I break a pizza every night in the oven. I drop a pizza every night coming out of the oven. Whatever it is, if I burn half a pizza at a sales thing, I can't sell that pizza at all. That becomes staff food. If I burn half a pizza at a party, I cut half out. That burnt thing I eat, the three good slices, I slice up and put on another round with half of another pizza. And that goes out to the guest. So I have the flexibility of salvaging something that I might otherwise not be able to salvage if I'm selling a whole pie to a guest at a pop-up. And I just have whoever's watching the front, my staff person tells me, we could use another two marks, we could use another two. And I'll just bake two pies. I build them side by side, two pieces at a time on the board load them up onto the peel at the same time, launch them at the same time. While they're in, if I can get two more doughs out and set up, I will get those pizzas out. And it's just a 
a cycle. And when they're not placing orders and you're just making the flow happen, you just get into the rhythm of making the flow happen. You're not going to get all 40 people want your pizza at one time. You know what I mean? They're not all going to show up at 1 p.m. when the party starts. So, like, I was scared out of my mind that everybody would be there in the beginning. I was going to get crushed. I brought a buddy of mine who grew up in a pizzeria and, know, you know, is like a legit pizza guy. I made him come to a bunch of parties with me in the beginning. And he honestly, he just stood there and told me to figure it out in the nicest <laughs> way possible. He's my buddy. I love yeah. him. But he was like, you have it. Go ahead. I'm not coming in until I see that you really need me. Why would I? And that what, fire in a what I imagined, environment is great. What I imagined was like, you're at the party, you're setting up, and the, and you've arranged a time with the host, and they say, okay, everyone, 40 people, it's dinner time. Come out and get your pizza. It depends. If it's a wedding, sure. At a wedding, everybody sits at the same time, and the kitchen in the back, They've got 150 plates laid out and 15 chefs down the line. Each chef is putting one component on the plate. So all of those plates are built at the same time. The staff loads up trays and brings them out. That's everybody eats. That's 150 bucks a head. You're making pizza in the backyard for a cocktail party. And this guy is having a drink over here. And maybe there's a bowl of olives. That's another thing I do. I bring some snacky things that I can put out. A couple of focaccias that I can cut up and put out in different places. Uh, a couple of bowls of really nice black olives that I've dressed with herbs or whatever. Some confit garlic cloves. Uh, a corn salad if it's the summer. So that they can help themselves to some stuff while to take the pressure off of me. You know what I mean? Then they can have a few things on the plate. And when the pizzas come out, they come out. And at parties, people are very gracious. They're very happy. You know what I mean? They don't expect to eat, in my experience, all 40 of them at once. That's great. They love That's the really cool. It's fixed. They want to, you know what I mean? Bullshit with them. They, they love to chat with the, the pizza guy. That's great. You know, I get my context. Well, comparison is, is having people online at a, an event where they're paying and ordering and then stepping aside and waiting, right? That's right. how I do my sandwiches right now. And um, I did an early morning farmer's market on Sunday. My youngest son won't like me telling this story, but he shows up with me and he had two and a half hours sleep and he's hungover. Yeah. And he, he's puking. So he's got to go home. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in the truck. He's going to be pissed if he hears this. And my wife has to come in. And then luckily my other son, my older son came because we had no business in, during this four hour event except for an hour and 15 minutes. And we got hammered. Brushed, yeah. In an hour and 15 minutes, we had tickets that I've never had before lined up. And I had to, you know, make these sandwiches by order. And each one customer is ordering six. And I heat up all the bread. And I like, it's not just cut bread and throw shit on it. Right, yeah. You know? And it was nerve wracking. I mean, a lot I, of pressure. I limit pies sometimes when we get busy at, at a pop up. You can get two pies each and then you got to get back in line. I've got only two ovens. It's just me. We have people who will wait an hour and 45 minutes for their pizza. Wow. See, that's cool. It's that, that as long as they know that. Um, 
Yeah. I, I feel like at some of the events I'm doing, if they wait, they, they start complaining and they don't understand that that's part of it. But I do remember in college, way before pizza trucks was a thing, uh, there was a truck that was very unique. It was called Johnny's Hot Truck, and he made French bread pizzas. I don't know what the heck oven he had back in 1984. Where? Well, in this, it was in Ithaca. I remember. Ithaca. I can't even believe I lived there. No, you didn't. Did I, you? There. I did. I lived right on Sorority Row across the street from a bunch of sorority houses. No way. I so I would go. I would go. I went to Ithaca College, and this was on the Cornell campus. Yeah, I know exactly but, what you're talking about, dude. But we would drive, and like p part of the experience was the weight. Yeah, sure. Yeah, but you're. And it was cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I find that people, as long as they know, I'll go. If I go to a nice restaurant, I'll wait for a table. I know I'm gonna wait for it. You know what I mean? So as long as I have a reasonable understanding. Um, yeah. And we've gotten good. Not me. I suck. They don't. <laughs> they, my front of the house protects me from myself they've gotten really good at predicting how long to tell everybody it takes three minutes to bake make and bake that pizza but when i've got 40 people stacked up that three minutes is at the end of and we have a nice dining room where people can sit down it's air conditioned they can have a drink so it's uh and we don't take their order until i'm ready to make that's you wait in line and then uh, they call you up when we're ready to make you, you put your name on a, on a list. You know, honestly, I don't even know what the system is that they're using because I'm not I, involved in that. They just basically feed me no more than four pizzas at a time of what I'm making and will only give me an over under of 15 so that I'm not panicking. Wow. It's, I'm going to come out with my wife on a Monday. Monday's a great night for me. Come out, dude. Come. Monday's a great night. It sounds like a field trip. I'm definitely doing it. I will be there within the month. Awesome. Um, awesome. I want to check this thing out. I want to see what you got going on. And uh, oh, I want to stay in touch and collab, man. Come and come out and bake. I got an apron for you. Come out and bake. <laughs> I don't know if you want me baking, man. I'm not that good at pizza. I'll be perfectly honest. I want to learn. Come out and learn. Come out and let's cook together. I would love that. All right, brother. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed talking to you. Um, and you and I will stay in touch for sure, buddy. Outstanding, man. Thank you very much, sir. This episode of Bread for the People was brought to you by Side Hustle Bread, Long Island's handcrafted artisanal bread company. Side Hustle Bread is a family-run business that's bringing the neighborhood feel back to Long Island one loaf at a time. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to head on over to iTunes and rate and review this episode. Reviewing and rating is the most effective way to help us grow our audience. This episode was produced by Milestone TV and Film. I'm your host, Jim Serpico. Blessed be the bread, everyone. <laughs>